1: Northwest Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. A couple of housekeeping notes, Dwayne. We have a reminder here on the text tool that um, we haven't had the fan couch open for for quite a while. That's a valid and, point. And we have we not. Haven't. We yeah. have not indeed mm-hmm. had the fan couch open. So,
2: um, if you so desire, the fan couch is open. You know what. Message us or post something yep. on our Facebook page. Uh, throw your name out there and your willingness to show up, and you know what? What you're bringing us? Coffee, bagels? You know <laughs> what's going to take get you through the door? We'll, That's right we'll, right. we'll decide.
1: We're pretty. We're pretty. We're pretty cheap. Actually, oh, we it actually don't take a whole lot. You can probably of, actually yeah, bring right nothing, and we're going to let you. That's in, right. Just so. show
2: up.
1: <laughs> uh, for those of you who were a little bit behind on the uh, the TV side of things, the fan couch, the, fa- the fan couch is indeed open. Drop us text four nine four five one. Uh, if you want to come in and sit in on the show and kind of see things from uh, the uh, the front of the camera side or the back of the camera side, whichever, yeah. uh, feel free to do that. So, the Department of Fish and Wildlife, Dwayne, came up with an idea this past trout season that um, that I thought was pretty interesting from the get go. And it turns out that the participation in it was was off the charts. Oh man, I mean, it was. I mean, mm-hmm. to call it successful is an understatement. I mean, Absolutely. The, Kind of the, the season long uh, derby mm-hmm. as created mm-hmm. uh, for trout season was just a, was just a smashing success.
2: Absolutely was. I mean, the numbers uh, are impressive. And, you know, think about the amount of effort also put into uh, this entire program from WDFW's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. perspective, not knowing if it was going to be successful. Right. And then to have it just basically hit it out of the park with how successful it was. So, uh, man, hats off to them because it, it seems like people truly responded. It,
1: indeed. So, Larry Phillips, uh, the DFW's Inland Fisheries Manager. Larry, This um, th- I think the task at hand for- for you and and for the department was to sort of I don't I don't want to say like like add re reemphasize the trout opportunities but I think that's exactly what the uh the derby did. I mean, bottom line is that you know the trout opener has always been traditionally it's been one of the most, you know, well attended events uh, throughout the course of the entire year and you know trying to trying to kind of carry that momentum forward. I want to say would would probably have been one of the goals that you had in mind when you started this whole
3: thing, correct? Yeah, good morning, guys. Hey, good um, morning. for for sure. That's, that, that obviously was one of the the big, big deals for us. I mean, trout has been a kind of the driving uh, force for us as an agency for a long time. It's the highest participation fishery we have by far. Um, And this was one opportunity for us to to do a few things and, you know, again, promote and highlight trout fishing, but also uh, recognize our, all of our vendors that um, assist us with getting the message out selling tackle um, and allowing them to to kind of get involved with, 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 Uh, sponsoring a fish, uh, tag fish, and and then when somebody catches that, having those folks go into their store and, and, uh, you know, being able to, in addition to catching some fish, uh, you know, get a prize of some sort.
2: How many, remind us again, Larry, how many different lakes did you guys actually put uh, tagged fish into?
3: So last year um, we we tagged uh, 750 fish, um, and then we stocked those out into about 90 lakes across the state.
2: 90 different lakes. And so, and the yeah. catch and return of uh, folks actually, you know, uh, claiming their prizes was uh, what percentage of those fish that were tagged?
3: Yeah, so it was variable, you know, depending on the size of lake and, and um, depending on, uh, you know, depth and things like that, see the number of tags we put out. But for the most part, um, we averaged right around 50%, and, and overall, um, anglers caught and returned just um, under 50% of all the tagged fish, which... From a fish management standpoint, that that says a lot. It just it really goes to show you that the fish that we're stocking out across the state are, are utilized at a very high rate. Um, so pretty 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 amazing.
2: Yeah, it's either you guys tagged a bunch of really well you know will willful biters, right. or yeah, right. or it's a screen, represent, yeah. screen for their ability to yeah, bite, yeah. Yeah. or it's a representation <laughs> of you know actually as you're saying how much the resource is in fact utilized and. And obviously, the numbers of fish uh, being caught and retained by by uh, anglers overall. I mean, I gotta, I gotta, uh, you know, think that the 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 program for in your guys's mind was a huge success, wouldn't you say,
1: Larry? I have to, and I have to com- uh, compliment you guys on your creativity with this whole thing. I think oh, the uh, trout yeah, opportunity absolutely. is one that I think. I mean, people pay attention to it a lot. We we pay attention to it a bunch in the opener. And then I think it's almost kind of like a, you know, people just kind of take it for granted. I mean, mm-hmm. it, but it is something that, as you pointed out, the the department has for well, years and years and years, you know, spent a great amount of resource on, and it and it gets a a great deal of participation. So the creativity that you guys exercised to kind of to kind of boost it a little bit was was really well done.
3: I appreciate that. Um, we're really excited about this year as we move into the you know year two of this this annual derby. Now, um, the number of uh, folks that are that are kind of trying to d- jump on board here with in terms of uh, the the sponsors, is been phenomenal. It's uh, we've we've been getting a lot of really good response. Every single um, one of the businesses that sponsor, every one of the businesses last year that sponsored a, a derby prize are now are already have agreed to do it again this year. And um, you know we we decided this year to open it up to not just the folks who sell licenses, but also industry, um, you know restaurants and manufacturers and and um, and such, and so um, we're going to cap it at a couple thousand prizes. Um, you know, we'll see where we're at at the end. I mean, obviously, we, if we just get, you know, crazy, we might we might make some changes. But right now, um, you know, our, our marketing staff are out um, meeting with um, all the all across the state, all of our vendors, and, uh, you know, we'll see where it lands. But uh, all indications are it's going to be way bigger than last year. I, I think one of the things when we went and talked to folks last year about the prizes um, their understanding was, hey, if I donate $500 worth of prizes, they're all going to be caught. But, you know, as we know now, really, the the return on the on the um, investment is about 50%. So um, I, I anticipate that, that we're going to have a, a significantly larger number of prizes this year going out. So it's pretty exciting.
2: Are you guys rolling into year two, Larry? Are you guys going to include other species of fish other than just trout, or are you just going to stick with trout?
3: we're having that conversation. Um, it's, it's tough right now to, I mean, that's, that's the goal. Ultimately, we've got a lot of resources in the state of Washington that are underutilized, yeah. particularly our warm water fish. Um, certainly if anybody who goes out fishing in some of these lakes, um, the number of fish, particularly panfish, perch and small bass, even, um, is, is huge. I mean, it's, it's in the, you know, who knows? We have done some population estimates and hundred thousand fish in a lake is not a, not a huge number. So, the number of prizes you'd have to tag out to see a return on that, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to have to be careful about how we do that and, and think it through. So, at this point, um, this year, uh, we're still, we're not, we haven't made the decision 100%, but it, it looks like we're probably going to just stick with the trout derby, um, and then certainly in the future, maybe kokanee and, you know, possibly walleye and bass and, and panfish.
1: Look forward to uh, the follow up on that because I think that's uh, just a. I mean, you basically have set the the table for for kind of a, a you know follow up a year's follow up for this. Oh yeah, there. really good. Yeah.
2: Well, and I like the idea of potentially expanding it out to other species because as we know, some persons strictly fish for mm-hmm. panfish or catfish or what have you, and then you have. The diehard would be you know trout fishermen that yep. look at a kokanee and go I don't want to mess with that thing and they throw it back and then you got the kokanee <laughs> guys that go you know, uh, every rainbow I catch is you know yeah, eat eagle food yeah, whatever right, yeah. so it's nice to expand it out that would include all you know uh, lake lake goers and the fact that they have the opportunity to, to catch something yeah.
1: Let's uh, let's look forward to then the next couple of weeks. We do have uh, some closures approaching quickly, but then after that, we also have kind of a kind of a new opportunity with uh, kind of the Black Friday deal, Larry. So let's let's run through what uh, the the anglers could expect from Inland over the next handful of weeks. What do you, what do you have on tap?
3: Yeah, so um, I don't know if folks saw it or not, but we have recently released our list of fall plants, um, and those are across the state. Seems like each year we're adding a few more lakes. Um, you know, obviously we don't. Typically, don't have a lot more resources each year, but one of the things we've been hearing from folks is that they, they're really interested in these fall plants. And you know, I certainly can tell when it's getting close because my phone starts ringing from people wanting to know where we're, when we're going to stock lakes and um, you know maybe lobbying for uh, for their lakes to get stocked. But really, we've we've got a lot of lakes across the state that we manage for a fall fishery. Um, we got a, a couple of different strategies some of those are stocked out now. Um, and then they're they're kind of, you know, they, they move into the fall, um, starting now with the stocking events. And then we also have, uh, really what started in, in region five, um, with the folks down there, the creative thinking uh, in what's what we call black Friday fishery where, uh, we might even close a lake the day before, um, Thanksgiving, and maybe Thanksgiving day to get it stocked and then open it up on Thanksgiving day, excuse me, the day after Thanksgiving, when a bunch of folks maybe are out shopping and, and, uh, some people want something different to do and it's it's been it's not opening day i mean we don't get the crowds like that uh in the april opener you know but we do get a phenomenal response to that and uh, i spent some time last last year at crest lake on the on the black friday and I, i was shocked i got there and there was nowhere to park and it was it had that same kind of mentality that but it's a you know obviously it attracts a little different angler it's a more of a diehard, uh, you know, little maybe uh, somebody who's a little bit more tolerant of, of weather conditions, and so you can see that list on our website right now. We're stocking about uh, 65,000 one-plus pound trout across the state, and then we've got uh, several other lakes that we manage with a fry plant, um, and those fry plants obviously are put, in, put into the lake in the springtime, and they grow and uh, and then kind of recruit into that that larger size class. Um,
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: For across the state, number of fish planted, it seems to me I saw something about 916,000. Am I wrong about that?
3: No, that's that's accurate. Um, We did add. So so there's a few lakes in, in eastern Washington that we historically managed for a winter fishery. Those were December 1 openers, and they were kind of ice fish fisheries. But just in response to the popularity of Black Friday, we've shifted that the opening date of those lakes and uh you can find those on that, on our Fish Washington website um to the Black Friday Opener. So we and those are the the nice thing about those are we manage those fishers with a fry plant, a fingerling or a fry plant. And uh, you know, to the the really seasoned uh, trout fishermen, what that means is those fish go in there into the lake as small fish and then they, they grow and um you know, the quality of those fish is phenomenal. They, they, they're they beautiful. The fins are nice, and um, the, the tissue is, is really nice. And, and people, um, you know, really seek those those fish out. And so that's something we're pretty excited about. We'll see how it uh, fishes this year and what kind of attraction we get. But um, all indications are that they'll be a popular also on the opener.
1: Larry, let's uh, take a look here over the next. So, Dwayne, you had mentioned that you're going to go ahead and drop the boat in and, and fish your local lake there before things close down.
2: Well, the rivers are blown. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. and uh, the kokanee fishing in yep. late October, as historically has been proven, can be pretty doggone good. So, and, you know, and they're decent size and they're... They're pre-spawn and you get a few vampires here and there. But uh, the gist of it is, I mean, these fish are, well, they're pretty cool looking too. They start getting, you know, a good kite on them. Their teeth start showing out on them little bucks and stuff. And they fight pretty darn aggressive in late fall. So it's uh, it can be actually really really good and they're not that deep as the water has cooled down tremendously. Yeah,
1: and Larry, I know that you've been aware of that particular opportunity, you know, for years and years, but that's something that I think uh the you know, the Western Washington angler has has really begun to experience over the past, I'd say 5 to 6 years is that, you know, kokanee season doesn't end in the end of July anymore.
3: Absolutely. Uh these are all Wacom lake uh, stock kokanee. Um that means that those those fish will typically spawn in November. So, uh, you know, lowland-like trout, for the most part, um, comes to an end when the closure hits on October 31st. So, you know, between September and October, there's still a lot of opportunity to catch those fish. Um, they can school. They they tend to – sometimes it can be a little easier to find them. So, uh, like Dwayne said, it's it's a great time to go out and, you know, end the season Um Targeting some of those coconuts, they're they're all going to die. I mean, right? we these are salmon. Yeah. Once they once they spawn, they're gone. So there's no no issues with uh, over harvest and and it's a resource that's certainly can use some more utilization. So
2: historically, yeah. historically, Larry, does any of the local lakes, Pierce County, Thurston County, where have you, King County? excuse me, uh, stand out as a little better performer in the late fall as you, you know, get the last couple of weeks in targeting kokanee uh, versus rainbow? Any Anything stand out that you
3: you Yeah, know, I think? mean, obviously when when you've got a, a, a top-end growth or a, or a lake that produces kokanee in the 16, 18-inch range, what can happen this time of year is next year's recruits can, can next year's fish, um, can start recruiting their fishery at, you know, 10, 11, 12 inches maybe. Um, so that's that's one off opportunity. In addition to the fish that are obviously going to spawn, it's pretty obvious this time of year when you catch one that's that you know a two year old that's not going to spawn this year. So uh, in American Lake and and even even Summit Lake and some of the other lakes at times, um, Lake Stevens can produce those bigger fish. But it's all a, it's a density issue. This was kind of the year of the big coconut for us. Um, lakes that have historically had small fish this year were phenomenal. I yeah. mean Clear Lake and Pierce County, Alder Lake. Um, not uncommon at all to see fish this year in the 15, 16 inch range in either one of those fisheries. Um, difficult to say why, and it's kind of interesting to see the parallel top end growth and lakes that are, you know, 50 miles apart be the same. So, I mean, obviously you would look to the environmental conditions and um, weather patterns and things like that to, to um, try to explain some of that, but. But, yeah that's that's certainly an option is some of those lakes where you've got the really good growth when you're seeing next year's fish recruit into that that move into the catchable size range or move it recruit into the fishery folks are encountering them
1: we're talking this morning with uh, Larry Phillips he's the inland fisheries manager for the Department of fish and Wildlife and Larry let's um let's take a look at some resources here that you have available you, we mentioned the kind of the fish Washington page but let's take a look at you mentioned uh, trout stocking and schedules and so forth and and this is something that the folks should be aware of as far as resources and I'm talking easy resources follow the department yeah. on Twitter on facebook let's run let's run through some of those
3: yeah sure um you know we we're really fortunate we've got some staff now um, some marketing folks that are trying to do a better job and I think they're being successful at it getting information out to folks obviously that's listening uh, to what's going on uh, we're we're working on some parallel processes right now um, on the marketing side in an attempt to to really improve how we do business and one of those that Dwayne and I, and you've talked about a little bit here that we're really excited about moving forward with right now is, is what we're calling our Fish Washington um, smartphone app. And we're still a little ways away. We've got some beta testing going on right now, but really um, the director went around the the state a while ago and, and asked folks what we're doing you know well and what we're doing poorly and how we can make improvements. And certainly one of the things that jumped right out at us was, hey, your, your regulations are really tough to follow. and It's difficult for us to understand what's going on. And you know, we got to find a way to make it better. So one of the, the solutions from our marketing folks were let's develop a smartphone app that will allow you to, first of all, if you're standing on the side of a river, it'll identify what section of river you're on. It'll it'll review our database for rules changes, emergency rule changes, give you the most up to date information. But but most of all, it'll tell you what the current rules are, um, exactly what what regulations are in in, in effect at that point. Um, Long term, the goal is to get that. Um, Turn that have use be able to use that um, as a trip planner as well to uh, you know review and search where you want to fish and what resources and, and what species are out there open within a close proximity to where you're at. Um, lots of work to do still on that, and we're we're planning to roll it out with the FIT 2017 Trout Derby. So that that's certainly one thing that we're doing um, that we're hopeful that will really improve the the way folks can interact with the rules and regulations and and make sure that, uh, you know, they get get up to speed with what's going on out there.
2: Well, uh, the timing couldn't be better because with all the changes going on at WDFW, Larry, and, you know, obviously a couple weeks ago I had the director and Ron Warren in here, and we were talking Mm -hmm. extensively on a number of different fisheries, but one of the points I brought up with Ron is that WDFW is much more aggressive in mid-season season uh, management and, uh, and and changes based on either fisheries are performing or underperforming, overperforming, whatever they're doing, they're more apt to make an adjustment in-season, mid-season, uh, and rules change when they apply those things in-season, mid-season. So the fact that I can show up at a destination pull out my phone and get the most current regulations versus having to log into the website, Mm -hmm. scroll through to the page. that gives me all the updated, latest uh, updates of information bullet points. This is a phenomenal uh, idea. And I think once it's up and running, all the bugs are worked out, it's going to be one of the most go-to apps that WDFW has probably produced in a long time.
3: Yeah, I mean, we we get it. We understand. I mean, I I look at the regulations and and there's a lot going on there. Um, And it's complicated for a lot of reasons. Um, but uh, we think we can do better. Um, we're working on another process, you know, just real quick, is we're working on a real simplification process to kind of, um, you know, there's. when the director came here from Idaho, he kind of looked at us, and when our new director came on, he looked at us and said, hey, do, you, do we really know that much about each one of these bodies of water that a, a regulation difference of, you know, an inch or two or a season of a month or so would be would be warranted? I mean, if we do, great. If we're that good, great. If we're not, then, then why? So why not simplify the rules? And, and so that's a process we're working on right now. Um, it's going to be—it's a huge undertaking, but uh, you know we're meeting every couple of weeks. We've got a team together that's, that's looking at that. Uh, we're studying Eastern Washington, and we're going to work our way across the state. But um, we're confident that this is something Oregon went through a while back. Anybody who's who's been watching that uh, rules and regulations in Oregon, particularly the pamphlet. Um, will now will notice and certainly notice that their regulations now are much easier to follow. Um, they're much they're, they're very much simplified, and that's the that's the process we're going through right now. We went and met with them, and they were really helpful. So, um, kind of keep an eye on that as well. It's another another one of the the uh, these uh, uh, wild future that, that Jim and, and Ron and other folks have talked about. Um, that's one of the, the the outcomes of that is to to, to we've listened we're we're working toward um, making it easier for folks to recreate and follow what it is we're doing here in Washington. Plenty,
1: plenty of uh, productive tinkering going on behind the scenes of the department. No, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. No Larry, kidding. thank you very much for the information. Always good to to get our our, our inland update for the month. Looking forward to... I have I have never participated in the Black Friday trout deal. I mean, uh, I, have, I hate to admit that, but I have not. I, I'm looking forward to possibly doing it this year.
2: Well, if the rivers aren't blown, I'm usually steelhead fishing, but yeah. this is something to uh, definitely take a look at. And for sure. I guarantee, even if they didn't have Black Friday for fishing, Black Friday has no other significant meaning to me. I can tell you <laughs> that. So Join the club. The, the fishing actually yeah. gives me something to look forward Indeed. to on Black Friday. Indeed.
1: Yeah. Hey, Larry, good talking to you, buddy. Catch you again soon. Thanks, guys. All, All right, right man. man.
2: Hey Shango, we got a question real quick there yeah. on the uh, old text line. How long is the Piope River open for Coho? That will be through the end of the year, December thirty first. December thirty one. Yep. Correct. Yep. Yep. Yep.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and also, by the way, we have a uh, we have a, a couch surfer for two weeks from now. Uh, JJ Dial North Bend is uh, is, is bringing smoked salmon, Bigfoot Java. Uh huh.
2: It's all it takes to get through the doors here. Well, so he's in. I yep. mean, it's not even going to be a competition now. He threw that out first thing. It's like, right. all right, JJ, we will see you uh, yeah. two weeks from now. Welcome to
1: the fan couch in two weeks. Let's yep. take a quick break. When we come back, we'll join Scott Halgen right here on Sports Radio 9. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 950 KJR and Comcast Sportsnet Northwest Northwest Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR he comes with his own theme music does Scott Haugen one band one band only Ah, <laughs> that's right <laughs> so we've uh We've had the pleasure of, of witnessing the uh, I guess the creation of a, of a gun dog over the past handful of weeks, courtesy of Scott Haugen. Um, he, I believe he kicked off his very first lesson with Kona. Oh, I guess it's been what? How four four weeks ago? Five weeks ago? Scott, how long have you been doing that that Facebook
3: live? Oh thing? gosh, we got him when he was seven weeks old. So it yeah, it's been about five weeks now.
1: So you have guys twelve weeks old? That's unbelievable. So <laughs> well, he,
3: well yeah, he he just turned fourteen. So 14. I guess okay, four, so we we're pretty close. Start- yeah, Yep, yeah, yeah. We just started broadcasting things. I uh, think yeah. about. Yeah, for five weeks I believe. So, yeah. yeah, so yeah, I don't know. There's so much to do, I lose track of it. Yeah, no, that's it's okay. Fair. That's okay. We do, we do they too. learn though. so fast. My math's not good this early, Joel. <laughs> it's oh, okay. Yeah, that's all right. That's why we're
1: here for each other, brother. That's yeah, right. We tell uh-huh. each other out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this this whole process for you has been. I mean, I. It's funny because I, I kind of texted you this last night. Scott's not a yeah. he's not a dog trainer. Like he's not a professional dog nope. trainer. This is not nope. a guy who nope. gets up nope. every morning and, and trains dogs for a living. He's just a guy who hunts and he and he you know his gun dogs and so forth. So his process for me. Is is more accessible than anything I've I've ever I've ever seen as far as, mm-hmm. as far as training a gun dog. Mm-hmm. I mean it's mm-hmm. just it's just very it's a very welcoming, kind of an easy to watch, easy to participate process. Facebook Live being what it is, super cool, Scott. A great opportunity for you to do some things that previously just really weren't available. You couldn't really interact with people like you can now. And so you, you've you've taken the opportunity with your new pup Kona and it's been it's been great to watch, dude. It's been it's been really cool. Oh.
3: Well thanks I appreciate the kind words and and yeah you know it's just the the timing of technology came together you know with the timing of this puppy and and I think what what got me most frustrated and and, and like you said I'm not a professional dog trainer and I and by no means I, I don't want to come across as that I'm just a a regular guy that loves to hunt and being able to write and do this stuff for a living. I I get to spend a lot of time with these, you know, with these things, whether it's fishing or hunting or dogs. And, you know, when I'm working at home at the office, you know, I'm seeing this dog, uh, you know, 24 seven. So, so I have my thumb on the pulse of what's going on. You, you know, as I watch videos online from professional trainers, it, it, you know, it, it's intimidating even for me. It's like, Holy cow. You know, these guys, dogs are performing perfect every time they, you know, show something and, like you know it's not like that for me so I, i'm just going to kind of show this pup as it happens so a lot of the stuff that we're introducing is for the first time and, and you know and it's not so much as trying to get from point a to point b you know within any one of those given um you know feeds it, it's it's what happens between point a and point b that i'm finding is most important you know you want them to fetch something and you throw it six feet and and he loses his attention, you know, twice before he gets there. How, how do you respond to that? And, <laughs> yeah, that's and, a good point. And you know, it, it, it's kind of like raising kids. I mean, yeah. right? You know, right. it, it's it's really there's there's just so much that you just learn by personal trial and error. And and this is the second poodle pointer I've raised, and and you know, they're they're both so so different in their in the timing of how they're learning. Kona is way ahead of where of where Echo was at this age, and uh, and it's just fun sharing these things as we go.
2: Well, Scott, as you said, you're not a professional trainer. But as I reminded Joel, you are, you know, your uh, previous life and still continue to be a phenomenal teacher. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and no teacher goes into any class or presentation unprepared. And you are by far one guy that I know that puts in so much effort into obtaining information before your application. I mean, that's basically the teaching rule. So uh, to watch... Kona, develop skills and respond in your training methods as, you know, I was able to to, to tune in from time to time. I was just going, holy smokes, this is, uh, this is well, interesting to watch. Was there, anyth- <laughs> was there anything, so you do your research and you're like, okay, so in the next step we're going to try this application. Is there anything along the way in the short five weeks or so, six weeks that you've been doing this approach with Kona that surprised you in his response? In other words, you're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to try this oh, my gosh, it actually worked, or it worked better than I would have thought it
3: would have. <laughs> yeah, it, it has, and and part of it was the gun training. Uh, I mean, when, when he was little, eight weeks old, I, I started, you know, shooting air guns around him, and, and we progressed to twenty twos, and, and, I mean, within four or five days, I was shooting a shotgun around him. Uh, I took him up. I was doing quite a bit of grouse hunting with the older dog and had him out on, on the on the road with us and, and had to sight him some rifles up in the woods, and I just had him you know, right there by my side the whole time, you know, shooting, shooting high powered rifles and he just wasn't flinching at all. So I thought, you know, we need to get him out on a hunt. He's starting to mark birds pretty good. He's wow. uh, even at this young age. And I, I didn't teach him that. That's just, that's all natural. Him, and I yeah. just noticed that, it, you know, he'll see a, a butterfly or a bird and he'll just, he'll just take off chasing them. And it's like, wow, you know, that's the instinct you want. So why not start rewarding it? He's used to gunshots. And, and uh, so we went out on a quick little dove hunt the other night and, and shot a dove and I knocked it down at about 30 yards and, and he sat by me you know, he didn't take off on the shot. So he's, he's doing really good with the sit, stay, you know, come basic uh, commands. And, and then he took off. And I'd, in a couple of the videos, I'd showed some hand signals that I was working with, uh, with food, but this is our first time with a, with a bird. And and just kind of hand talked him in and, and he was listening well and, you know, didn't get too hyper and, and got the burden and, and, you know, retrieved it 20 some yards to me. And it was, uh, it was just one of those glorious moments here. It was just the dog and I in the field and man, it felt like I was back in Austin stadium in front of 40,000 people. It was just so such awesome. a, you, a, a glorious moment. Can yeah. you hear the pride it. in the man's voice? Well, yeah,
2: yeah absolutely. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, a couple of things he said too, it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. raising children. Yeah, and he said, you know, much. Th- the two dogs are so different. And obviously you guys raised the two boys too. And I mean, obviously their, yeah, personalities, their personalities are completely different. You know I mean? It's, yeah. it kind of crosses yeah. over in that regard. So, uh, yeah. I, I, it, obviously listening to you and just, you know, I got to assume that you're so pleased with how fast along he's coming. What, what else, uh, you know, as we move forward now, what else is, are you going to work on with Kona? What does he still well, need Well,
3: you, you know, it, it, it's crazy because I, at first I wrote out this schedule, it's like, okay, we'll do this once a week, this once a week. And sometimes we're posting like three videos a week because he's just progressing so quickly. And we're, we're getting a lot of really uh, good feedback. Uh, you know, a lot of emails and, you know, a lot of people are just kind of like what you said, thanking us for. For keeping it real, and and you know if if there's something where we have a deeper question, I'll go to a couple guys I I talk to, um you know a couple trainers that I work with. But I've only ever read one book on on training dogs, and it's it, you know it's a lot of it. I'm just picking up as I as I learn and go on my own, and it's just kind of you know natural instinct and having some you know having some I guess appreciation for for the dogs' need and and, and progress there. So I'd like to try to post something today on that dove. We got we got him retrieving that that first dove. Um, so I'm going to try to get that video up today or tomorrow. We're at the Cabela's here in in Mitchell, South Dakota today. So I'm the internet access isn't isn't great. We're kind of busy here, but, but you know, so people will be able to see what it's like for for this, you know, for the dog when he retrieved his first bird and, and you know he brought it to me and and I'll just show people how I worked with them, you know, with a live bird, well dead bird right there. Um, as far as getting them to bring it to, to handle, a lot of these dogs will stop short with their first bird, which is natural. And, and I'll just show in that video how we, you know, overcame that. Uh, we'll be doing some basic things, you know, like uh, I'd like to do something this week on, on just uh, um, kennel training, you know, in, in the house, making sure that they go in these kennels, you know, on their own and uh, under their own will, not forced in, and that they come out relaxed, not you know, b- busting out at 100 miles an hour when you open the door. That's something that can be dangerous when they get older and as they get bigger, harder to control. So so a lot of the things we're looking at are just, you know, basic things that be, boy, if you can teach them to a puppy now and they grow up with that, they're gonna be so much easier to handle when they're, you know, fifty, seventy five, hundred pounds, depending on what breed of dog you have.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, if you follow Scott on his social media, either Instagram or on Facebook, you'll notice a handful of lots of photos of both Kona and Echo together. And so one of the one of the tasks at hand Scott was in familiarizing the puppy with the older dog, and that and that mm-hmm. can be and that can be a challenge. I mean, that can be one of the one of the one of the kind of the more um, capricious things in the world because you don't really know what's going to happen there. But just yeah. looking at the photos, it looks like that's gone pretty well.
3: Yeah, they they get along really well. Now we have another little house dog, a little uh, uh, a little lap dog, and and it, and the, Kona doesn't get along real real good with that dog, but Kona and, and huh. Echo get along really well. Um, you know, I can train them both together in the field now at the same time, you know, I can get, they they both have the name recognition down to the point where, where I can have one sit and, you know, side by, have them both sit side by side and, you know, one come to me and one stay or, you know, one go left and, you know, one go right type of things. So, so that's something as they're going to start working to get, you know, hunting, you know, together your next year that, uh, um, that I'm starting to work on that communication already. Uh, with them, but they get along they get along really well, and uh the, the only thing i'm having trouble with, and I've pointed this out in some of the videos is getting Kona in the water now when we got echo, we got her in the spring, and the water was warmer, the weather was warmer and, and <laughs> Kona's not uh <laughs> Kona's not taken to the water as quickly as uh as as I'd like so you know I, we're just trying to overcome that And i'm not worried about it, and i 'm not you know panicked that he won't like the water um but but uh you know I'm just trying to share some some tips there of how to how to get your your gun dog uh, liking water as well scott i know
1: you're super busy can can you hold on for a second i've got some questions to you ask you out. about about foul weather hunting because because we have some foul weather headed our direction oh, man. that's
3: what i heard yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> you... we'll take a break when we come back uh, we'll get some advice on on how exactly you can utilize this weather to your advantage courtesy of scott having right here on sports radio 950 kjr and comcast sports in the northwest northwest wild country on seattle sports radio 950 kjr So as we've uh, referred to throughout the show, we do have some weather headed our direction very shortly. Wind increasing over the next what twelve hours, eighteen hours, twenty-four hours. Yeah, I
2: think, I think the, the 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 biggest part of this is going to hit this evening. It's going to yeah. be about a twelve or fourteen-hour window. So while everybody's trying to get some sleep tonight, things are <laughs> uh-huh. going to be a rocking.
1: So we'll have we'll have some windy conditions in the woods for the next handful of days. Let's let's make sure that we that we point this out if if uh, the forecast asks for you to secure your outdoor furniture, mm-hmm. you probably don't want to be hunting in that exactly. You don't want 65-month gusts is not good hunting no matter what. However, you back off that a little bit and you have some wind and you do have a kind of a set of conditions that you should pay attention to if you're a blacktail hunter especially, Scott
3: Hogan. Is that, is that correct? If you are a blacktail hunter, the best days are coming up right after this storm. And I know I, it's just opening up in, in Washington there, correct?
2: Yeah, this morning, you know, and yep, uh, yep. we uh, we actually had a pretty good storm blowing yesterday, Scott. Lots of rain, I mean, yeah. pounding sideways. This morning, things have calmed down. Mm-hmm, I mean, if for, for sure. an opening morning, where those oh, those animals yeah. were, you know, basically, and I think you're going to probably uh, 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 be on board with this, they're pretty much uh-huh. hunkered down yesterday. I was out and about a little bit. I didn't see any deer, and I got a ton of deer around my, my house at the lake now. Them things were just yeah. kind of sheltering in place, trying to stay down, you know, from all the debris yeah. falling and all the all the you know wind blasts. And now this yeah. morning, you get up and it's kind of calm. It's a little breezy, a little rain, but nothing like yesterday. Don't they got yeah. to kind of get out and re-nourish and get a little get they, a little uh, feed they, they, going on board? They
3: do, yeah, yeah they do. And, and these these storms like this are awesome. And the harder they can blow, the better. I know what, Washington just opened up. Oregon's Cascade season is now closed for a week because of elk season, but okay. it's still going on the coast. That um, but the, the 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 thing about this is, like you say, these animals are gonna hunker down. With another pressure system coming in, uh, they'll they'll hunker get you down again uh, w- with that. But right afterwards is my favorite time to hunt these animals for a few reasons. One, you're gonna get a wet forest floor, so you're gonna be able to to read sign and tracks. That's one mm-hmm. of the hardest things for a black tail hunter is to see what deer are out there, but just because of the nature of the forest floor that we're hunting, you don't get to see that many tracks. So. Find some of those muddy trails. Look, you know, the does and younger bucks are going to be traveling up and down. And We're getting into good pre-rud. If you're hunting the coast, I've, I've seen a lot of ruddy bucks, uh, this time of year from you know, October 15th on. Um, we'll rattle them in, uh, that, that early on the coast as well. So, so, you know, look at these tracks. See if these, you know, does and, and insubordinate bucks are traveling up and down. See if any of these bigger bucks are traveling, traveling the, uh, um, you know these benches horizontally, checking out these trails for does as we get into pre-rut and even you know some rutting activity. What I my favorite thing to do is, is where I think these deer are bedded. Um, they get up into those areas early in the morning and hunt hunt the timber from the inside out. You know instead of getting into a clearing and glassing and hoping to catch these animals. You know as they move from an opening into the timber, what I have found is a lot of these animals will start off the day just because Dwayne pointed out there. Uh, you know they're they're already hunkered down. Well, if that much wind blowing and, and the fringes of some of these forests and, and uh, you know, some of the other vegetation. It's knocking down a lot of food sources. Uh It's making, you know, leaves heavier so they're eating more whatever it is, vine maple or, or moss especially. Moss and lichens they love after a first big storm like this. And I found that they'll stay more active. It takes them a lot longer to reach their bed, So... You know, instead of hunting until eight or eight thirty in the morning, hunting until, you know noon, but but all get up high and just hunt really slow downhill, um, you know, side-hilling, depending on what the wind is doing, and just try to find these animals as they're out feeding on some of these things.
1: One of the things that uh, you're you're definitely at a dis- you're just you're just at a disadvantage period as a hunter in the thick woods with a blacktail. I mean, no matter what. I mean, but bottom line is once you step into the woods, you're you don't have a lot of benefits. So when you have winds and you have sort of a little bit of an evening of the playing field, Scott, as far as as far as noise, as far as you know things that cause yeah. these these animals to spook, you're also in better condition in this particular kind of weather. Correct?
3: You are, yeah. And, and what you pointed out there, quiet forest floor, you know that that's huge. I mean, that's the biggest battle archery hunters have have had in some of the early season rifle hunts too. You know, you just can't get out of there and move. It's just so noisy. So. So that's a big one you know if you can get a good you know a good steady wind in your face or a cross wind and just keep track of that wind and and uh yeah cover some ground you know don't be afraid to glass and you know i'll take my glasses even even if my visibility is 30 40 yards i'll be you know stopping every few steps if i'm in an area where i think they're a deer and i'll be glassing and i'm looking for an ear or horizontal line of a back or a belly or you know flicker of the tail or you know outline of white on the rump or what whatever it is, black glistening of a of a wet nose. You know things. You, rarely do you see a whole deer when you're when you're doing spotting stock stalk in the woods, and, and usually if you do, it's too late to pull the trigger. <laughs> you know the uh,
2: as you just spoke of, Scott. You know the wind and, and the storm. You know blowing in conditions, making noise and in and trees rattling stuff is great cover. But I think maybe some guys may underestimate that that benefit only secondary to scent cover because if you just go out there. Without any, you know, thought of scent cover or protection, only because in certain areas with these types of storms, the wind is so unpredictable and that it's constantly changing direction, uh, swirling behind yeah. you, pushing scent right towards them. You know, because now you've you've all of a sudden experienced that wind shift. Uh, do you think that's yeah. something guys should still be, you know, cognizant of and, and not take it for granted?
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, if you're into a, a situation where it's where it's swirling wind and you can't get into where you want to get them back out you're you're never going to fool a deer's nose uh no matter no matter what scent control you're using or or no matter you know how how strong the wind is if there's even a slight breeze blowing in the direction where those deer are at they're gonna they're gonna smell you so you know try to come in from another angle if you're you know if you're just able to hunt this weekend and, and you know your time is limited you know try to come in from another angle if you have the luxury to hunt after work then you know maybe come back the, the next day and try to get into that area once the winds have stabilized. But uh, a lot of big blacktails are killed. You know if, if you, if you know where the deer are at, and, and it's a matter of closing the deal and, and making sure that you're capitalizing on, on the one opportunity you might have in the season to get in close to that buck, and, and the wind plays a big part of that. Speaking of closing the
1: deal, Scott, the one thing that I think is, is maybe taken for granted is actually taking the shot. And most folks, when they practice, do not practice in 20-mile-an-hour winds. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> there, there is some attentiveness to that. You have to be a little bit, in my estimation, mm-hmm. you have to be a little more careful.
3: Yeah, you do. And, and, you know, that's where we're all hunt the forest that, you know, your shots are going to be a, a little bit closer, but you know, one, one thing that I, one rule, and this came from TV, you know, when we are filming TV shows and, you know, going on 60 some hunts a year, you know, it, 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 I, I just could not afford to miss, so. I would not pull the trigger unless I felt 100% sure that I was going to hit an animal. I never pulled the trigger thinking, man, I hope I hit it. You know, it's just, it comes from practice and it comes from confidence. And, and, you know, if you're, if you're looking through the scope hoping, man, I hope, you know, I hope I hit this deer. And, and, you know, if you're not sure, then don't pull the trigger. You know, not only do you want to lost, you know, uh, uh, chance. You know, hitting an animal and losing it. But, but if you know you rush a shot, and, and uh, you know that deer hears it, he might be gone. You know, for for a few days, you might not be able to get back on him. The rest of the season, he might just stay nocturnal from that point on. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're not sure, don't take it.
1: Scott, what's your uh, what's your plan for the day? You guys are in uh, Mitchell, South Dakota, correct?
3: Yeah, we're here. Yesterday it was 80 degrees. The pheasant season opens here at noon today. <laughs> We've got a lot of people here at the bellows. within Wow. Yeah, butchering pheasants, and Tiffany's here with me showing them how to, different ways to take care of your pheasants and cook the whole thing. You know, it's amazing to me how many people, they you know, always just throw that part away, you know, the legs and thighs. And oh. Well, that's against the law, and plus it's really good eating. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's been a good education, you know, with that. So, we're here for a few more hours. We'll fly home, uh, later tonight, um, and then, uh, do, do a little dog training here, and then I'm off to, on a, on a waterfowl hunt, uh, the rest of the week. So, um, yeah, so just hanging out here and flying back home tonight. Everything is going good. Yeah, Sounds I
2: important. think I think I saw a picture of pheasant fajitas. If I'm not mistaken, I did too. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that looked yeah. Pretty darn good.
3: Yeah, Tiffany's cooking up a batch right now. It's it's been phenomenal. It's pretty incredible to see the number of bird hunters that are flocking here. I mean, we met people from Italy yesterday that flew in just for this, and you know, met a guy and his son and his grandson. that was the granddad's 40th year in a row. You know, coming here and. Wow. And it, it it's just a, it's a really neat culture, you know. The, all these rigs out here at Cabela's with all their you know, all their dogs and all the families. It's uh, it's it's really neat. You talk about wanting to make America great again and holy cow, come out here to Mitchell for the season okay. opener. Everyone's here because they love hunting and love family and love the outdoors.
1: That's super cool. Scott, it's always a pleasure always to talk to a you, my pleasure. friend. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Have a good day, we'll catch up to you again real yep. soon. Thanks for the information.
2: Thanks.
3: thanks. Yeah, thanks, Ellen.
2: I'll be looking forward to the uh, waterfowl picks that will be displayed in this coming week. I'm pretty sure he's probably hunting with his dad and his dogs. Always a pleasure to oh, uh, to chat with Mr.
1: M- and Mrs. Haugen, for that matter. Oh, both absolutely. Both the Huggins. absolutely. That's going to uh-huh. do it for us today. So next week, a quick reminder, we'll have uh, Robert Strong in studio for our, our waterfowl special, I guess you'd call it. Mm-hmm. Not that we're not going to talk about fishing. Because I'll talk to him during the too.
2: week, tell him to bring in a couple extra calls so you and I can make absolutely ass buffoons absolutely. of ourselves. Absolutely. That's exactly huh? what we'll do. Yeah, yeah for that'd, sure. That'd that'd go over good. So a reminder, we do have uh, a, a an attendee of the fan
1: couch here uh, two weeks from now, but uh, if you have next Saturday off, you want to come join in, might not be a bad time to come sit in on, on a show. If you want to learn a little bit more about duck calling, this is probably a good one to come in on.
2: I would suggest, yeah, get a, get on our Facebook page and post that up. Give us a reason why you should be here next week with us and Robert Strong, and we'll make it happen.
1: Our thanks to the guests who joined us today, Toby Wyatt of Real-Time Fishing, Jay Yellis of the Cast for Kids Foundation, Larry Phillips of the Department of Fish and Wildlife, and, of course, uh, Scott Haugen. You can follow them all on Facebook. We'll see you again next week, same time, same place, right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR and on Comcast Sportsnet Northwest.
0: With the Lucky Land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere.